0: Okay, tonight there is um, there is a word that has largely vanished from use in our day and time, um, but it's a very important word, and it's a word that we all need. We need, need not just the word, but everything that it represents, and that word is Savior. The word is Savior, and we're working through Ephesians on Sunday morning, and there's this this uh, phrase that uses the word savior in the text that we'll be looking at. Ephesians 5.23, For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Now, the context of of this verse in Ephesians 5 is Paul's discussion about marriage. It's talking about how husbands must treat their wives. Uh, they're, They're supposed to treat them as christ treats the church, uh, his own bride, but what is he like? How how does he, as the husband, treat his bride? Well, the text works through just a number of aspects of Christ, the husband, and one way that Christ is a husband, it says here, he is the Savior of the body. So he's the Savior. Now, in our our time tonight, I want to briefly look at three things about Jesus being the Savior. First of all, what Savior represents? And then secondly, how we're looking for a savior. All of us are looking for a savior. And third, how you find a savior. So what savior represents how we're all looking for a savior? And then thirdly, how you find the savior. So first of all, what savior represents? Then the the text says that Christ is the savior of the body. And that is the church. And so that word savior, savior, it speaks of a person. Salvation might talk about uh, just the, 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 the experience of being saved, but Savior is talking about someone. It's talking about a person, the one person who will rescue you, a hero, a hero who arrives when you have lost hope. So take these two components about, about a Savior. The Savior is a person. The Savior rescues you. The Savior is not a generic system. A savior is not some abstract concept like like increased metabolic activity or economic uplift. A savior is someone, a person. A savior is a winner with a name. And this person, this savior, the savior rescues you. And so that implies that you're in trouble. That implies that trouble has overtaken you. You maybe you've got enemies who are after you and you're being pressed Maybe you're drowning in floodwaters, and you're just desperate. And when that's happening, when when uh, the enemy is starting to gain ground, and you're starting to, to trip, and you're stumbling backwards, or you're drowning, you're not hoping for some abstract principle like buoyancy to kick in, or that that well, hopefully the gravitational pull will decrease you need a person. You're looking for a person who will throw you a line, who will extend a hand, who will swoop down and grab you and pull you out and, and will fight for you. And so that's what a Savior represents. Now, secondly, let's, let's look at how all of us are looking for a Savior. How All of us need a Savior and we're looking for a Savior. And I think, I can, I think we can say this universally is true because everyone, whether or not you're religious, everyone lives in this world and it is a fallen world We're living in a world that, Romans 8 says, we're living in a world that groans. This world is groaning. And if you have ears to hear, you can see it. You can see it in the weather. You can see it in uh, the land. You can see it in the animals. And you can see it in people. Romans 8 says creation itself groans. That means the world is sick. You see it at a societal level, a broad societal level. The land is troubled. The nations are troubled. They're in an uproar. People collectively they're angry. Or if they're not angry, they're, they're anxious. Or if they're not anxious and afraid, they're demoralized. Maybe it's all three at once. But it's not just collectively that we see this. You, you can also see it individually, personally. And, and maybe this is you, especially today. Personally, you've got troubles. It could be sickness, like cancer. It could be It could be custody challenges. It could be bills that are overwhelming you. Because we are relational beings, troubles that we have with people. It's the troubles that we have with people that really weigh on us. And and, and that's why we have broken hearts. That's that's why the betrayals or the bullying, all of that stuff matters. And it, it hurts us in a way that's even worse in some ways than just a medical problem. I was hearing recently about someone where their work environment, they are plagued with having bosses who are bullies. And it's terrible. And it's, it's tearing my friend apart. Now, with all these external troubles, there's also another kind of trouble that we face and, and for whom we need a Savior. And that's not external troubles, it's, it's our internal troubles, ourselves, our insecurities, our weakness, our woe, our own wickedness, our sin. And, and maybe you get to this point um, several times during a day or during the week where you're just tired of yourself. You're, you're weary of all the battle around you, you're weary of life, but you're also just weary of yourself, whether it's your pride, your lusts, your tongue, your temper, or just the clawing neediness uh, that's inside of you. And, and so maybe your sense of needing a Savior is, who will deliver me from this body of death? Who will deliver me? You're looking for a Savior, that groaning. Who's going to rescue me? from this sad, sad, disintegrating world. Well, we all need a savior. We need, we need someone who cares, and we need someone who can. Someone who has the ability to change the world, someone who has the ability to change us. Someone, with, someone who, who will be able and willing to do that. And I don't know about you, but today when I'm doing stuff online, I get all kinds of ads, and I get all kinds of ads for therapy, and people are looking for help. And so all these therapy options are out there. People are looking for a savior, someone who will rescue, someone who will give answers, someone who will give comfort, someone who will help us grow and change, someone who will rescue us from, our, from ourselves even. And we look for a savior, maybe not in, in therapy, but maybe we look in other places, with other people, other professionals. Maybe at a personal level we think, if I just had a friend or if not just a friend if I could just have someone who would love me maybe a a boyfriend or maybe a wife if not a person maybe products or with a more secure position or or something that would, would give me more power we're looking for a savior we're putting our hope on on this one contact. We're putting our hope on this, this one breakthrough. If only this door would open for me, it would relieve all of the financial pressures. All of us need a Savior, and some of us know it, and some of us are looking for a Savior. Well, let's close with how you find a Savior. The Bible tells us that God has sent a Savior. In fact, he sent the Savior that everyone is actually looking for. Acts 13.23, it says, From this man's seed, according to the promise, God raised up for Israel a Savior, Jesus. So Jesus is a Savior. And not just for seemingly religious people, and not just for people who are from Palestine. 1 John 4.14, And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. And so Jesus is the Savior sent by God and he's the Savior of the world. Now, how do you find the Savior? How do you find Jesus the Savior? Well, first of all, just a few things as we close. First of all, you have to encounter him. He's a person, right? He's not a set of principles. So that means you've actually got to somehow get face time with the Savior and you've got to have him commit to you, to, to put his hand on you, to put his hand out for you. You have to encounter him. Titus says Jesus appeared to all jesus the savior that means jesus the savior has actually arrived he's here he's he's appeared and so the question for all of us is well have you accessed him are you willing to face him are you are you willing to go to him and to say where are you i'm looking for you or are you are you ignoring him he says god says jesus has appeared to all the savior has appeared to all but are you ignoring him? Are you looking for him? In the book of John, John 4, Jesus appears to this this woman who is highly distracted and and he's there. He's appeared to her. He's even willing to engage her. He initiates conversation with her, but she's doing everything she can to avoid him. And she she won't stay on topic with him and she's trying to dodge his every question her. And she's got all kinds of baggage that she doesn't want to have brought up. She's had five husbands. She's now living with a sixth man that she's not married to. But the Savior appears to her. She encounters him. And after that encounter, she goes out and she starts dragging other people to meet Jesus and so that they can also encounter him. So that they can have face-to-face time with him and have answers and questions with him. And and their response is described this way. John four forty-two. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. So he appeared and she received him, she encountered him as the Savior, she brought other people and they for themselves also had to encounter him, had to acknowledge him. And they realized he's the Savior of the world. So the question for all of us is, whether you've been in the faith long, whether you've never been in the faith, have you come before Jesus? Have you encountered him? Have you listened to his assessment of your troubles? And have you come to him again tonight to be your Savior? Now secondly, you not only have to encounter him, you also have to trust him. You have to trust that he is the Savior. Trust that he will be able to rescue you from whatever trouble you are now in. Whether it's of your own making or whether someone else has dumped it on you. Trust that he can deal with your trouble. He can deal with your sin and he can deal with whatever internal evil has you all tied up in knots. But he can also rescue you from, from other people who are troubling you. Your situation. He can rescue you but you've got to trust him. You've got to trust him. First Timothy 4 We trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men especially of those who believe. You've got to believe. He is the Savior, but you've got to believe. You've got to trust him. And then thirdly, you not only trust, you have to wait for him. Trusting involves waiting. You've got to be able to wait on him. If Jesus is the Savior and you acknowledge it, you realize it, and you are depending on him to pull you out of your trouble, whether it's your sin or whether it's sinners coming against you, or it's just your situation. He is the Savior, and you may have to wait. He'll rescue, but he'll rescue in his time, and he'll rescue in his way. Now, Jesus is not just a Savior who came to deal with sin. He came once already, the Savior who became the sacrifice for sin, but he's more than that kind of Savior. He's also the shepherd. He's also the king. And Jesus, it says, is the one who's going to come again. His full work of saving was not completed in the first coming. There's the second coming of Christ where he's going to complete the salvation of everyone who's clinging to him, everyone who's depending on him. And so you've got to wait on him and you've got to trust him. And that requires patience. Philippians 3.20 speaks about how if he's your savior, you're going to have to be patient at times. Philippians 3.20 says, our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. You think, he's my savior, so why doesn't he rescue me now? Sometimes we need to wait, and wait with hope, wait with eagerness for him to come. So that requires patience, and that trust is not just requiring patience from us, it also requires obedience. If we're trusting him, if we're waiting on him, that will be expressed by our obedience to what he's told us to do as we're waiting for him. Obedience to the commands of our savior. Remember how Saul, King Saul, how he was waiting for the Savior, and he was waiting, but then he stopped waiting. It was too long. The stress was too much. He thought, maybe I'm not supposed to, to wait. Maybe I'm supposed to take matters into my own hands and do beyond what God had said or limited. And so Saul stopped waiting, and he stopped obeying, and he took matters into his own hands. But we are to sometimes wait, and as we wait, to keep on obeying what he's told us in his word. So you've got, in closing, this place in Titus 2 that puts all that together. Waiting, trusting in our Savior, waiting some more, and obeying our Savior as we wait for him to come and deliver us again. Titus 2, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works if Jesus is your Savior, but you are still waiting for him to come through and to deliver you. He's, he's calling you to wait in the blessed hope of his appearing and to be zealous as you wait, zealous for good works and to walk in righteousness. Amen.